0: Hey, today I want to talk to you uh, in a message um, a little bit that uh, been a little bit of what God has put on my heart, and I hope that it could be a, uh, I can share that with you. Um, we're not starting a series today. Um, we're, we're gonna start a Christmas series in a in a, uh, in a couple of weeks, and uh, so today and the next Sunday, is Mission Sunday, the following Sunday, Thanksgiving weekend, and um, but today I, I want to talk to you about those who. Maybe you have lost a little bit of your passion. Maybe you've lost some joy or spiritual intimacy. And today I want to talk about, you know, how to get back your passion. Maybe at one time you were very passionate about God. You, were, you had so much zeal uh, and joy in your life. You could feel uh, the presence of God in your life. You could sense his voice. You, you, you uh, follow in the direction that God is, was teaching you to go. And, and, and you were there at one point, but somewhere along the way, um, you've lost it. Maybe, you know, this year. It, it started off great, January and February, right? And you said, man, I, you made some uh, resolutions. Or you like, man, I'm going to get the ground running. In January February, you were passionate. You were in the Word of God. You, you were full of joy and enthusiasm for God. And then March happened, and, 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 and at first you thought, well, okay, it's only a couple of weeks, and, you know, the pandemic, and, and, and a couple of weeks turned into a couple of months, and now here we are six, seven months later, and, and, and spiking things up, and uh, we, we feel discouraged. And, 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 and for some of us, we've kind of lost our zeal. It so well. It so great. But then our passion for God waned and, and drifted away. And, and, and lost, you've somehow lost your spiritual passion. You feel like you've lost your spiritual enthusiasm and intimacy with God. The story is told about a mom who had two boys that were out of control. They, they would not listen to her for, you know, for nothing. And, and they were constantly being rude and constantly being disobedient to their mother and rebellious. And, and, and she was talking to a friend about her boys and, and the friend said, You know, I have the same problem with my kids. And, um, and I tried all the things you've tried counseling and read a book and, 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 and psychology and, and psychologists and all this stuff. And, and, uh, and I tried all those things, but I took my two kids, my boys, and I took them to a pastor. And the pastor straightened them out. So this lady said, Well, you know what? I've, I've tried everything else, I've done everything else. And so she called the pastor. And well, she said, hey, I need you to have a meeting with my boys. They're out of control. The pastor says, okay, bring them in. And, and so he brings the boys, you know, she brings the boys to the church. And, and, and the pastor decides to separate the boys and, and have a conversation one boy at a time. he can do a police style, he can, you know, <laughs> interrogate them one at a time. He brings in the youngest boy, and he sits him down in the chair, and the pastor's sitting behind his big desk. And he kind of just stares him down and looks at the little boy. We call him Johnny. He said, Johnny, where is God? Just like that. Said, where is God? And little Johnny's is silent. He's like, oh, no. He doesn't know how to respond. The pastor sits for a couple of seconds. And again, a second time, he looked at Johnny and said, Johnny, where is God. Johnny's looking around the room. He's looking up maybe on the bookcase. Maybe there's an answer on the bookcase. Or maybe there's someone on a picture frame. He's trying to figure this out. But he's still, nothing comes to mind. And finally, a third time, the pastor, gets a little bit louder or with a little bit more, you know, thunder in his voice. And he says, Johnny, where is God. And at that moment, Johnny jumps up out of a chair and runs out into the lobby and sees his older brother and says, Hey, we've got to get out of here. They've lost God and they're trying to pin it on us. <laughs> and for some of us here, you feel like you've lost God. You've lost the joy and the enthusiasm. And this message today is how to get your passion back how to get back to the place where you were with God. We're going to talk about enthusiasm. And if that's you this morning, you feel like you're a little bit less enthusiastic, you feel a little bit lost, the joy is gone, then this message is for you. Have you noticed that there are two different types of people in the world? If you're taking notes, there are two different types. There are those who let circumstances influence their enthusiasm. Influence their enthusiasm. They've allowed the circumstances around them influence their enthusiasm from within. The second type, there are those who use their enthusiasm to influence their circumstances. In other words, there are those who let what's going on around them, the circumstances of life determine their mood, their, their perspective, and life. And on the other hand, are those who let what's going on inside of them influence the climate around them. Enthusiasm, it's another word for passion, enthusiasm. The word enthusiasm comes from two Greek words. The word en theos, in theos. The word en simply means in, to be inside of. The word theos, we get the word theology from it, the study of God. And so you could say enthusiasm literally means to be in God or to be filled with God. True spiritual enthusiasm isn't something that you manufacture, you know, something that you work up. It's not a product of the environment around you. It's the posture of your heart. It, it, it's your time with God. It, it's born to enthusiasm. Spiritual enthusiasm, enthusiasm is born out of your presence of God. I should spend time with him. In fact, I love what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let me just say this. The chapter 15 is one of the, the greatest chapters in the New Testament. It, it, Paul presents the case. You know, if Jesus had not risen from the dead, then what are we doing? Then why are we, what, what is the purpose of gathering together? What's the purpose of life? And it really kind of lays down the groundwork, but then he said, "Jesus had rose again," and we see it as we get down to the climate of the chapter in verse number fifty-seven. He said, "But thank God!" I want somebody in here to say, "Thank God!" Amen. If you're watching online, I want you to put it in your chat. "Thank God," okay? Because Paul said, "Thank God!" exclamation point. And then he said, "He gives us." Victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. I I want—I need to say this verse again because I kind of feel that there are some of us here today that just haven't expressed their enthusiasm. He said, "But thank God, thank God, He gives us victory over sin and death through." Our Lord Jesus Christ, and because of what God has given to us in verse 58, he says, So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. He says, always work enthusiastically, that's our word. So always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord. It's ever useless. It'll never go in vain. Here's what I love about this thought, if you're taking notes. It's not what you do that makes it meaningful. It's who you do it for. It's who you do it for. It's not the thing that makes the action meaningful, but it's the intent of the heart of who you're serving for. It's not what you do that makes it meaningful, but it's who you do it, who you do it for. And my, uh, many of you may be familiar with the book called The Five Love Languages. Some of you know that book. You've seen that book. And uh, it's a book I actually recommend to uh, couples that want to get married and premarital uh, counseling. I say, you know, read this book because it talks about how to communicate love in, in, in the way that your spouse needs to receive it. And, uh, and it talks about five different love languages. Um, those five are words of affirmation. You know, hey, you you're you know, you're beautiful, you know, you look great today. Um, that's a word words of affirmation. Uh, a, another one is physical touch, hand holding, you know, arms around, you know, the spouse, cuddling, you know, and uh, and, and that's not my wife's love language, you know. So it's just like, hey, get back up. And and maybe you know, that's okay, that's okay, all right. And so um, and quality time, it's another love language. And some husband or some wife, she say, man, the best way to communicate love is, hey, you know, don't talk it. Spend time with me, you know. Spend lots of time with me. I want quality time. Um, gift, gift giving, it's another way to express love. It's a way, to, you know, to receive love. It's a way of giving gifts. And then the fifth one is called act of service. Acts of service, you know, do something and that, that communicates that you love him or you love her by the way you do stuff around the house. And in uh, Karen's love language, acts of service. Lucky me. <laughs> it's the little spontaneous things that, I, that he loves that I, that when I do things around the house. You no know, vacuuming, doing the dishes, you know, dust, you know, dust spray in the, in the and a rag, and cleaning the house. It, it's those acts of service that really fires her up. I, I, I never like doing those things. Until Karen told me she loves it when I do it. And so one of the things I do I'm, on my phone. I don't have my phone here, but on my phone, um, it 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 to find a friend. You know what I'm talking about? You find a friend, you can, and I've got it where I can always see where she's at. And she can always see where I'm at. You know, I, and and uh, so um, I, I know she's gone to the grocery store, and I'll set an alert. Let me know when she's leaving the grocery store. I know she's on her way home. And it's in that moment that I'm going to shine the best. Because I know she's going to be walking in, and if active service is what loves her, I want her to catch me in the act of it. I want her when she sees me in with enthusiasm and flair. I want some flair into it, you know, vacuuming the house, you know, doing the dishes with the smile on my face, and I want her walking in the house and say, "What has been going on?" And it's, "Oh, hey, hey, honey, how you doing?" You know, I'm, I'm working for you, baby. You know, you know, and I do it with enthusiasm. It's not what I'm doing that's meaningful; it's who I'm doing it for. I'm doing it for. And when I see Karen after I'm doing some hard work, I say, baby, I've been braving the elements of some hard, hard work. I did it for you. I did it for you. Not what you do, but who you do it for. And the Bible says whatever you're doing, you do it for the Lord. It can transform the mundane and turn it into something meaningful. Who does that? Someone who's been transformed. Someone who's been changed from the inside out. Right? The verse before verse 58. But thank be to God who gives us the victory, who delivers us from sin and death. In verse 58, whatever you do, you do it enthusiastically for the Lord. In theos, in God. You can have spiritual enthusiasm, but you can also lose it. I'm reminded of a great man in the Bible, in the Old Testament. Many of you know this. If you've been around church, you know who this is. King David. Now, before he was a king, you know, he was a young boy he was a shepherd. And when he was a shepherd, we see him full of entheos, Enthusiasm. But somewhere along the way, David lost it. Now let's back up the story. Young man. He's a young man, the shepherd boy. In fact, one day his dad said, hey, I want you to go find your brothers. Go are out in battle. Uh, I want you to go there, check up on them, tell me how the battle's going, uh, maybe take some food, and, uh, and deliver the food and, and, and come back and bring me a report. And, and so David, you know, the little shepherd boy, he went to the battlefield. He had a, uh, some lunch bags and some um, of cheese and, and granola bars and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. He brought the food to his brothers. And, uh, and, uh, brother and he sees the brothers at the battle and sees the entire army. And they're at a standstill because on the other side of the battlefield was the Philistine army. And there was a giant man in the middle of the field named Goliath. And Goliath was challenging anyone, any man on the side of the Israel to come out and to fight him one-on-one, mano to mano, and see who wins. And none of the Israelites, soldiers, were willing to step up and to meet the Goliath and to fight him. No one, and so David's like, you know, what, what's going on here? You know, he said, they're not a cause. You know, here, here's a man mocking the, the uh, God. It's a man who's defiling the name of Jesus, the name of God, and, and, and no one can stand up to this man. And finally, David had enough. David, who really didn't have any soldier training, he volunteered to say, Hey, I'll take him on. And, and, and the Bible says that he got out there with a slingshot and five stones. And I want you to see the enthusiasm. In David's voice, as he goes one-on-one against a mighty mighty giant named Goliath. We see this here in the story, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 45. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and I'll cut off your head. This very day I'm gonna give the, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel in Theos. Enthusiasm. Make no mistake. There's no human confidence in this. This is raw, unparalleled spiritual enthusiasm born out of David's time with his God. Here's the question for you. Where did David get this enthusiasm? Where did his spiritual enthusiasm come from? Let me ask you this. Where do you get your enthusiasm when you're working in retail. Where do you get your joy, your passion? When you're working in the, in the office. Or when you're teaching your kids through the computer screen. Or when you're working on the assembly line. Where do you get that joy? Where do you get your passion? When you're walking into the battle of your life. Where do you get it? I want you to notice where David got it. he got three things here. Where did David's enthusiasm come from? And I hope that this will apply to you as well. If you're taking notes, he trusted God daily. He walked with God daily. And number three, he worshipped God daily. He trusted, he walked, and he worshipped. And he noticed the key word. The word is daily. Every day. How could he fight a giant? How could David fight Goliath? Because in previous days, he trusted God when he was taking care of his own sheep, when the bear and when the lion comes up, And and God gave him the strength to defeat the wild animals. And since he trusted God in the days before the battle of Goliath, he could trust God for the battle ahead. He trusted God daily. He, He walked, he enjoyed the presence of God daily. David wrote throughout the Psalms, We see this over and over and over again. I'm going to read some of the psalms to you. May it it fill your heart with this idea of walking with God. Psalm 27, verse 4, David said, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek. He He had focus, super focus on what he was seeking for. Only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Psalm 42, verse 1, David said, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. He walks with God daily. Psalm 63, verse 1, he says, you, God, oh, my God, earnestly I seek you I I, I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there's no water. Some of us might be able to read this. In a dry and parched 2020 where there's no water. But, But David said, man, I still seek you. I still long for you. I thirst for you. Psalm 23, the 23rd Psalm. We see this again where David said, the Lord, he's my shepherd. I lack, any, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I feel no evil. Why? Because he's with me. I'm walking with him. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David walked with God every day, he trusted God daily. He also worshipped God daily when the Ark of the Covenant, which is a picture of the presence of God, when it had been taken away by the enemy, by the Philistines. And the Philistines, they were done with it. They didn't want anything more to do with it, so they put it on a cart, and they sent it back to Jerusalem. And finally, the day came when the Ark of the Covenant was coming into the the Jerusalem, and and David could see it from a long, far away. He was so excited, he wasn't even half-dressed. Bible said that he went out and, and, and started dancing like crazy. He had a massive worship party in the presence of God. He, he danced so much that his own wife was embarrassed. He was, he was embarrassed. He, David just, he just couldn't contain himself. It, it wasn't a click on the computer screen to, to listen to the sermon once a week. You know, it wasn't just a, a drive across town to sit in a church service, sing some song, and listen to a sermon. For, for David, it was a daily abiding being in the presence of God that gave him this enthusiasm. He was in theos, in God, filled with God. And she's spiritual enthusiasm. It, it comes from a Daily walk, daily trusting, daily worship of who got you. And, and, and so many of us, we, we, we come to church and we, we hope to get a Jesus pill. And say, man, I just want to get a, a shot of Jesus that will just maybe a hold me out for the weekend. And as much as that's important, getting Jesus in your life on Sunday, but it's not enough. You need it more than that. You on Monday, you need on Tuesday, you need it throughout the week, daily. Every day, crying out to him. It's a daily exercise of trusting, walking, and worshiping God. And like I said, there's two seasons in David's life. One, when he had it, when he had the passion, when he had the enthusiasm. But there was another part of his life where he lost it. Sadly, he lost it. You fast forward to a time in his life when he was a king. The Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 11, it was the springtime when most of the kings were off to war. But in this story, when all the other kings were off to war, David stayed home. He wasn't where he was supposed to be. And when he wasn't where he was supposed to be, he climbed up on a roof and saw something that he should not see, saw a woman taking a bath. And when he wasn't where he was supposed to be and he saw something he wasn't supposed to see, He did something that he should have never done. And it cost a lot of people something that they should have never lost. And it all started for David when he stopped spending time daily with God. He lost it. Let let me show you the contrast. I, I got it on your notes. I want you to see the difference. As a kid, With enthusiasm, David ran into the battle to serve his God. He was doing it for the Lord with enthusiasm. With enthusiasm, David ran into the battle to serve God. But later, as a king, with apathy, David walked on the roof to serve his comfort. You see the difference? One with enthusiasm, one way he was in God, but somewhere along the way he got out of being in God and became apathetic, got to joy his own inner desires and comfort. How did a man who had so much spiritual enthusiasm a kid lose it as a king? It's because as a king, he took his eyes off his calling. He put on his comfort. And my question today is this. Which one best represents you? Are you so full of enthusiasm? Are you full of enthusiasm for the things of God? It's not meaningless because it's not about the what. It's about the who. Or do you find yourself more spiritually, spiritually comfortable complacent. Where do you find yourself? What, what, what best represent you? The one charging into the battle? Knowing that the Lord your God is with you and he'll never forsake you? You knowing that today you've got a divine calling and that you're set out to accomplish his purpose no matter what that is, you know, whether it's a Monday, whether it's a Friday, no matter what day it is? You see your calling for God and you say, man, God, I want to serve your purpose. Is that, is that you? Or or have you drifted away from that? And we talked about drifting a couple of weeks ago. And it's so easy to drift. And, and, and as a pastor this year, my, my observation as I look around, not just in our church, but in a lot of Christians, a lot of followers of Christ many people that I see have fallen to one of two extremes. There so are those who are on the positive extremes of things where they have not allowed the, 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 the things that going on in this world to let them down. Every day they're walking with God, they're trusting in God, they're walking with Him, they're worshiping Him, they're growing in their intimacy. 2020 has been a year of spiritual growth like they've never been seen before. But tragically, there are those who are on the other side of it. It started off well, started off great, but then we drift. By the way, it's human nature to drift. Not towards good decisions. Not towards, you know, disciplines. It's human nature for us to drift the wrong way. To drift into complacency and apathy. To drift into discouragement. To drift towards self-centeredness. That's human nature. And and I've seen that in both extremes. I've seen people, man, they're they're on fire for God. I've seen some of us here study well, but slowly drifted over here. And you're low on passion, no enthusiasm. Which best best represents you this morning? Entheos? Enthusiasm? calling, purpose or was it comfort complacency, apathy discouragement maybe even depression David had it he had all of that but he lost it Nathan the prophet he confronted David on his sinfulness the Bible said that David's eyes were open and went back to the place where, where he used to be. This is where he wrote the powerful Psalm 51. Let me read a couple verses here, and I hope that this will give you hope. If you're here this morning and you feel like you're low on pastoring, you're low on enthusiasm, I pray that you can understand that God is not done with you, that you can get it back, that you can get back to where God had you at one point in your life, Bible says in Psalm 51, verse 10, David said, create God, create in me, God, a pure heart. He said, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. I love that word, renew, the word restore. What do you do when you lose what you had? You'll refill you renew, you restore, you, re, you go back to what you used to do before. Look, look, look what Jesus told the believers in Revelation chapter 2. He said, verse number 4, he said, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. He said, you've walked away, you've let it go, you've surrendered it. You have forsaken the love that you had at first. In other words, Jesus said, You didn't lose it, you left it. But then Jesus said in verse 5, Consider how far you have fallen. And for just a moment, you might need to do that today. You might need to consider how far you've drifted, consider the intimacy that you once had, consider how far you walk away from. Consider the power of God that was with you. Consider the presence of God that never left you, but you left him. Consider how far you've fallen. And then Jesus said very simply, repent and do the things you did at first. Just repent. The word repent means to change direction, the change of mind. He said repent and, and, and do the things that you once have done. Do it again. What do you do? You walk with His presence daily. You, you you trust in the goodness of God daily. You you worship Him daily, not out of duty but out of delight. Again, two types of people. There are those who let their circumstances, you know, COVID-19, fear, anxiety, panic, they are things to influence. Their heart, their own spiritual temperature. But then there are those that let their, allow their enthusiasm to be born out of the very real presence of God in their life. And they allow the, the presence of God to dictate the mood of those around them, to build the faith of those that are around them. They don't allow the circumstances control them. They allow who it is that's inside them. What type are you? You now, if you feel like you've lost it, I understand. If you're here this morning, you feel like you're on E. You're, you know, you say, man, I feel like my life, I'm just kind of going through the motion. I feel like I'm living life on E. I understand. People ask me all the time, people ask me, they say, Scott, how do you keep your passion all the time? And the answer is, I don't. And he said, no, come on, Scott. You're a pastor. Pastor aren't supposed to have bad is?" Oh, quite the opposite. Quite the opposite. I feel like I'm under attack even more. My faith is under attack. My mindset is under attack. Even my mood sometimes is under attack. I hear an amen from Karen. I said, so what you do? I go back. I remember where I was before I was a Christian, where I was before I met God. And I thank God. I thank God who delivered me from sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then I go back and do what I did at first. I trust him daily. I spend time with him. And I worship him. Not just once a week. But every day. And then whatever I do, even if I don't feel like it, I do it with enthusiasm for the Lord. With all my heart. I'm not doing it for just some person, but I'm doing it for God. And that transforms something mundane into something meaningful. So whether you're serving and no one sees it, or whether you're worshiping and everyone sees it, do it for God. Do it for him. Because there are two types of people in the world. Those who let all the stuff on the outside determine what happens on the inside. Or those who let the work of Jesus in their hearts impact the world around them. I don't know about you, but the light that's inside of me, and that light is a capital L light. That light that's inside me is so bright that there is no darkness that this world can bring on. They'll be able to snuff out the light. And I pray that we have a church full of people who will let the presence of God penetrate the dark world that we're living in. When you go to work tomorrow, when you're with your family today or tomorrow or this week, let's live with enthusiasm and passion. Let people see that you have a relationship with a powerful God. Based on your relationship with Him every day, in Theos, in God, let's live with passion for the glory of God. Our heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your Word. We thank you that you have, you are the fuel, the source of power that we need. So many of us were struggling, we're struggling with the things of this world. We're struggling with. 2020 we've been discouraged, we feel like we've been beat up, but God I pray that our enthusiasm is not based on what's happening outside of us but our enthusiasm comes from you so God I pray that we get back to where we used to be if we lost it God, if we're here this morning we feel like we're low on E we're just going through the motions We don't have that spiritual intimacy like we once had. God, I pray that we will come back to you. We will trust you daily. We will walk with you daily. We will worship you daily. We thank you for salvation. We thank you that you give us victory. We've won. We're winners. You have given us the victory over sin and over death. We thank God for that. We thank you. So, God, I pray that we leave here today with enthusiasm, restore, renew our passion for you. In Jesus' name, amen.